You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 192. Eight more to go, we get 200. I think that's like a, do we get like a free sandwich or something? Like, you know, 10th one, it's free, something free, I don't know. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your uh, podcast. I hope we're there. Man, if we're not by now, then I guess you should probably use uh, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher then. (laughs) Right. What is this random thing that you're using? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Although somebody will reach out and be like, I didn't find you on AZGWAS. And they'll be like, okay. All right. Is that we'll a thing? There. It is now. Yes. All right. So you can visit us at www.codyblocks.net where you can find all our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And you can send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And we got a tweeter at uh, codingblocks. And if we got a website, uh, coding box that we can go there and we got links to other things so you can check that out and when you're done uh, you should know that i'm joe zach and i'm michael outlaw and i am alan underwood uh-huh. we're talking about uh git so get get excited Woo! are we because i was gonna ask you guys where do hamburgers go to dance but yeah we can talk about git instead well now i, I want to know about these burgers <laughs> me too <laughs> the the meatball Oh, oh, that's good. I like it. <laughs> All right. So uh, we want to give a thanks for the newest reviews. So from Alex uh, Woodhead, we have a new review. So thank you very much for that. And I haven't read that one. I need to. You didn't? Hey, no, I didn't. I've, I've it been... was really good because it was a three plus star review. All right. <laughs> we love those. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was. <laughs> He says, as requested, here's a three-plus star review. Oh, thank you, Alex. That's excellent. And and, and super thanks because it was a five-star. But okay. you know, technically, <laughs> he was accurate that it was a three-plus star review. So, yeah. Nice. That's amazing. All right. Well, hey, uh, I'm doing Ludum Dare, uh, which whoa, we talked whoa, about. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Ludum Dare. It doesn't look, it doesn't look like it's, uh, it's the name in the notes does not look like it's pronounced. Uh, it looks like Ludum Dare. But do you guys remember talking about this? No. All right. <laughs> I think so. so like, it's okay. a game jam. Maybe the first game jam. Uh, I forget. It's over 20 years old. They've been doing it for you know 20 years. <laughs> uh, they're on number 51 now coming up in uh, the end of September, September 30th to be specific, and uh, going on to October 3rd. And I took a day off work, and I'm going to do it. You do took it a day off work for it. Wow, this is serious. Now we're getting somewhere. Yep. Doing it for real. So uh, Very cool. just going to have some fun, make a game. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we we talked about this before um two-ish years ago, I think. I'm I'm double checking. Yeah, yep, I believe we did. so. Ludum uh I'm gonna say Ludum Dare, but you know, yeah, we'll say it's something else. How do you pronounce it again? Dari? Ludum Dari. I forgot what the name stands for. Oh, okay. Yeah, we it was uh episode one forty six. Wow. We talked about it. Yeah, All nice. Right. Right. That's why I don't remember it. Hey, I have I have a question for you guys. This is a very serious question. Is very, it really a joke? Please very, a joke. No, it's not a joke. I don't oh, have a joke. Come on, be a joke. But but you guys you guys like onions? It's a joke. Ah, oh, no, yes. Here we go. No, no. Do you like no. onions? No, you don't gross. like onions. Really? No. What about you, Allah? Is this like one of those things? Like nobody likes onions? Because wasn't that like a podcast or something? No, I don't know. No, this is a serious question. You like onions? I, I do, and I can't do you wait ever for cut the punchline. Do, do you ever cut onions? There's no punchline, I swear. you ever cut onions? Underwater. <laughs> what? <laughs> I 
Does that keep them from means. making you cry or something? Yeah, it does. It, it keeps oh, you from okay. crying. Like, okay. what? Well, I, I don't understand why that was so funny. Like, the <laughs> looks that I, if the audience could have seen the looks that I just received. I thought it was some secret message. Well, the reason I ask is, like, I was cutting an onion tonight. And you know how, like, there's the, the flaky layer on the outside. And it's the part that you're trying to get rid of. And then there's a really thin layer right up underneath that that's kind of a pain in the butt to get off. But if you can do that, you could salvage like the really big, thick onion outer layer. Like, do you get it? Like, when you're cutting an onion, do you just like, whatever, I'm sacrificing that, that really good sized outer onion just so that I can get this thing off faster? You spend the time to like actually get that thinner one that's right there on the outside. I'm curious. Like, uh, how deep? Uh, I'm sorry, I was putting a note there because I did find uh, I was correct that nobody likes onions as a podcast. Um, <laughs> But but do you do, you do try I try to get the like thinnest one off or do you try yeah, so or do you just like, like sacrifice that big one? Yeah, on the outside. I I I don't care. I guess like I never put that much thought into it. I don't think I did until tonight. But I was cutting now, an onion and I'm gonna yeah. try. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've got. I just tossed the outer one because it's kind of thicker and kind of gross anyway. I mean, they're all gross. But. <laughs> Why not gross, man? It's better in the middle. Uh, no, there's man. no bad part of an onion. Agreed. Like I don't care what that other podcast tells you, onions are great, especially sautéed. Oh, dude! Like now, purple onions. I can totally get behind the fact that you don't want to eat those things raw because they stick with you for a couple of days. But yeah, it, all right. So at any rate, I just had to ask that. It was a little bit off the wall, but I had that thought tonight when I was cutting an onion, and I was like, man, I wonder if I'm the only one. Man, I so, really thought we were going to a punchline. Like I'm not still have one. Yeah. <laughs> right, we're gonna get James Tadar on the show. He uh, that guy really knows his onions. Right, oh, does so, he? Is he an onion guy? All right, we're going to make this happen. Really knows his onions. <clears throat> so for all the new listeners, I promise you it doesn't get any better than this. Like this is, <laughs> you just heard the best material. <laughs> <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Every it's episode all- is, is is like that. So yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, so I guess we can get into the meat of it this time. Um, oh, I see what you or the vegetable, right? Yeah, that's pretty I, good. What was it? I thought that was a throwback to my hamburgers. Meatball. Oh, that's yeah. good. Oh, yeah, I hadn't even But that's that not what you did. So, okay, I guess I didn't no, see sir. what you did, or I saw what you didn't do. <laughs> you saw what I didn't do. Yeah. That's really good. All right, so... <laughs> So we're we're back into the Git conversation here, and we failed miserably on part one. I think we redeemed ourselves a little bit on part two. And and I'm really hoping that in this one, this kind of drives home some of the points that we've been talking about. Because we are committed. No, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Speedo, just to kind of reiterate a little bit from uh, last episode. And this is one of those rare episodes where you, if you haven't heard the last one, you actually should go back. Yeah, totally. Uh, is that everything else make a lot more sense. But last episode, we talked about how Git, uh, it really boils down to just blobs, trees, and commits. And that's it. Like that's, that's it. Fundamentally, that's it. So if you can wrap your head around that, even if you've been using Git for years like we have and had no idea, or at least I didn't have any idea this is what was going on behind the scenes, then, uh, then yeah, wrap your head around that. And we have a link here in the show notes to this section because this will be helpful for you to follow along because we're going to cover some commands at the bottom. Like we're going to talk about them only so that you'll have an idea that they exist. I mean, there's no way you're going to remember all this stuff, but it'll be nice to know that they're there. So the first thing is a commit can have one or more parents. I think we talked about this before. If we haven't, yeah, um, we did some experiments too. Oh, yeah. 
Well, so, I mean, the first example of like, you're, you're like, well, why would a commit have more than one parent? But every merge you've ever done is an example of a commit that has more than one parent. Right. Right. When you're bringing two together, that's when it happens. So what they said next is for this reason, these commits can be treated like branches because they know their entire history. Right. So you can reference it by doing a git branch dash V you can actually see the commits that are being referenced in that particular branch at any given time. Wasn't that the same thing that you used as a, a tip for the seeing where you're, uh, where you branched from if you did, um, dash VV, it's actually more verbose, but yeah, it was, if it was based on like, if you did your checkout and you did a dash T to track it, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. That's why. And if you wanted to see what you were tracking, then you could do a get branch dash VV and then it would show you which branch it was tracking from. Would you like to know which episode that was? That's been a while back. Yeah. 149. Oh, no? is it? No, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I thought you, I thought you had it. No. no, I thought I did too. And then I was like, Oh wait, no, that wasn't it. So I don't know. I'll, I'll have a link to that one in the show notes. Cause there was a tip of the week that where Alan had said, uh, you know, Hey, here's an easy way that like, if you want to, the premise of, of the tip was if you ever are working in a branch and you're like, wait a minute, where did I branch from? Especially if you're the type of developer that might have like, you know, you're juggling multiple things at one time and you know, so you're, ha- you have multiple branches and you're like, wait, which, where did this branch start from? Then that's where Alan's tip came into, uh, to play. Yep. I'll find it. So the next thing that we have here, and this is, this is another one. If you remember that get their blobs, trees and commits, a branch is just a named reference to a commit. Yeah. And we kind of hit on this last time, but you know, um, just to like, they, they, the author super drills this in to it because he starts it off by saying, say it with me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> he, he was actually pretty funny. I mean, honestly, this, this technical document that he's written is, is entertaining while it's got a ton of technical stuff in it. He's actually a pretty good writer. So I um, recommend going and checking it out. Yeah. I, I definitely did appreciate, uh, you know, the, the humor here and there interjected in. Yeah. So, this is where they call out. And we talked about it on the last episode, a branch and a tag are mostly the same thing. And I think outlaw called it out explicitly on the previous episode is the only real difference is in a tag. It will only ever reference that one commit hash that it, that it pointed to originally. Whereas with a branch, as you commit more things, that branch now references a new commit, right? That doesn't happen on a tag. Yeah, you're, we we referred to it as alias, the, an alias. An like alias, it was right. it was constantly being moved along. And I found, by the way, where that reference was to the uh, um, that Git tip, and it was episode one eighty two. If you were curious to go back and listen to it, okay, cool. Um, so we just said that branches are really just names that point to a commit. It's the latest commit in that particular um, branch. And then tags have descriptions that also point to a commit, but in that case, the commit can't change. So, yeah, they made a point of calling out like, you know, these two things are very similar, but tags have more descriptive metadata about them than a branch does. Right. You can actually put a message on them as well, right? As opposed to... You can annotate them. Yep. 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 So, 
<clears throat> they're a little bit more powerful. Yeah, it is uh, not powerful. You can add more descriptiveness to them because it's not supposed to change, right? It's like the marking a point in time. Yep. So they say knowing those two things, you actually don't need branches or tags technically, right? Like you could do everything if you just wanted to point to hash IDs all the time. If you were feeling fairly nutty and somewhat insane, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, is it really all that insane? Listen, I, I need some help. If you could, if you wouldn't mind checking out my branch, uh, just, or my, I'm sorry, hold on. Let me change my vernacular here. If right. you wouldn't mind checking out commit ID, uh, D seven, three, eight, one, two, five Q R Z. And, um, tell me when you have that checked out. You got it. The first, uh, tell me, I don't have to repeat that again. <laughs> right. hey, you only have to type as much as it makes it unique. That's, That's right. true. That is true. Well, in that my repo, true. because it was so big, I had to like say all of those letters. Yeah. So now they go, they go into a couple of useful commands here that uh, honestly, I don't think I knew exactly how they worked in the past. They always did what I wanted them to, but that's because I always was very, I knew the situation where I wanted to do it. Right. So the first one is get reset dash dash hard. And then the commit hash. And basically what they say here is hard says to erase all the changes in the working tree, whether they were registered for a check-in or not and reset head to the point to point to that commit hash that you put in there. Right. So that's kind of important and outlaw. You want to elaborate on that a bit? Well, I mean, he does make it, he does call out that, you know, the way he's doing this is dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's basically repointing head to a very specific commit. So he might, he could have technically already made like, you know, five new commits and he's going to mm-hmm. like undo that by going back to a very specific one. I I have definitely used a variant of this where instead of specifying a, uh, a commit ID, I'll just use he- head instead where like, I'll, you know, I'm just trying to like undo what I currently have staged or whatever, or, you know, changed and whatnot. And, and it's just like an easy way to, to get back into that state. So I get reset hard head, but, um, you know, he, in his example, he's taking it a bit further. Like it's, it's a little bit more extreme. Yeah. So that get commit hard heads that the, the outlaw just said is that's basically, Hey, everything that I've done since I had my last commit checked in, I just want to wipe it all out and go back to where I was the last time I committed. Right. And it, it sort of cleans everything up for you. So it too is dangerous. But you're not you're losing your commits. You're not losing your commits, but you're losing any changes that you've made that you have not committed at that point. And and I don't think there's any undo unless your IDE stores like local histories and stuff, right? So I mean, not from a Git perspective. Well, well, huh, okay. So from a Git perspective, I don't even know then. Maybe technically, because you could probably go back to your ref log and pull out like the things that were like blob, like if you had staged something, then one of the things that we learned was, you know, you would technically have a blob created. It's just, you know, it, it, cause the, when you, at, when you do the get add, that's where it creates the blob. So technically that's in there. And so maybe it's leaving it there. I mean, I don't know. This is speculation on my part. Right. Maybe it's leaving there might, yeah. and you're relying on the garbage collection to later purge right. it because it's not referenced by anything. Because one of the other things that we learned was that like, you know, anything that's not pointed to by some part in history will eventually get purged. Right. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. We would. I'm about to try a, it right now. 
Yeah, okay, go ahead. Really? Okay. Yeah, cool. I've been having some fun. So, uh, so an example, I've got a, a, bl- a brand new repository, right? So my if I look at my objects folder, I've got nothing. Uh, and then if I create a <coughs> file, mm-hmm. a.txt, right? So I save it, still nothing. I add it. Now, just like you said, uh, now I've got an object in my uh, objects folder. Right, uh, which makes sense. You've got the first two letters and then the rest of the items because it's, it's there. Now, if I do a git reset uh, hard uh, with no head, then I would expect it to get rid of that folder. Let's see what happens. Make sure I hit refresh. So uh, it is still there. In the objects folder. It is still but in the folder. But if you do folder. a git status, it doesn't show up as staged. It shouldn't even show a change there anymore, right? Because if you didn't yeah. get reset dash dash hard, the file's not even there anymore. Well, correct? yeah, but the but yeah, but the, the point that I wanted to make be. is that like, uh, th- this is where this is where the dash dash hard comes into play, though, right? Because like if you, you if you don't do the reset, if you've staged a file and you do a reset on it without the dash dash hard, then it, it just unstages unstage. it. And and brings it back as like oh do you, you know here's like a un uh you know an unstaged change right right but your file's gone right Jay Z but your object ID is still there so the object is still there and it's I mean it's got stuff in there and I, all I do is add it so what I'm going to do now is a git cat file I'm going to tell it that it's a commit but wait a second wait a second it. in your working directory, but it's not a commit it's that a blob. files right it's a blob but in your in your actual working tree your directory that file's not there anymore after the git file's reset gone. hard right okay yeah. yep, the Good. file is gone but the object is still there and i believe that if uh, if i could remember how to <laughs> look at there cat dash t right no that's cat, the type. cat dash file minus t blob and then the commit id of uh, or i said commit id i meant the shaw the shaw right yeah so it is not liking that so really? we said git yeah, like I'm questioning whether the file's really there here. If the, you know, I'm hitting refreshing code, but yeah, I see uh, one folder under my objects with one A, the first two letters of the the item from the hash, and I believe the contents in there are just what I had in the file. But yeah, if I do git cat file, and there was a way to say commit, it's and then, git cat dash file blob, the word blob, and wow. then the and then the hash ID. The, the oh no, one. dash t. No Did dash T. T is okay. the type. The T tells you the type. Oh, okay. If you wanted sure. to find out what type it is. Right. It's definitely not going to be a commit because you haven't committed it yet. It's yeah, a blob. you're right. And yeah, so there we go. So uh, it was user error before. It is a blob, not a commit. I did get cat file So it blob. is still there. Yeah, and so that's interesting. So I did get reset hard, and the stuff is still there, even though it's not in my folder. So the new file that I just created is totally gone, but the contents of the blob are there. And I, this is going to get cleaned up. Because right. nothing's pointing to Eventually. it. I don't know when. Right. It's ninety days. Up. Maybe we'll ninety <laughs> days. 90, really? really? That, that's a, that's what I thought. We recalled at the start was it was like you know after the default was like ninety days if it wasn't pointed to by anything. Wow. So you want to know what's really cool about this, right? Like if we took this thought exercise a little bit further, I don't know if you want to have to go do this, but that blob ID is in there. You could actually that tree should still be there as well, right? So you could potentially well the tree isn't going to be there because nothing was committed. Ah, uh, yeah, nothing. He's, no he's tree. only added it. So this That's is right. where I was saying that, That's like right. when you when you did that re, ref respec, and I was speculating that maybe it was still stuck around. And then if you wanted to go back and find it, because like let's say that let's say you you're now working in like a large repo, right? So you you know what the way that Joe just got to that Shaw would be impractical because right. you might have you know a whole bunch a of those in there, right? Yeah. yeah. 
And, and so this is where like, it's definitely coming up in a future chapter, but that's where the ref log would help you. Cause you could go back through the ref log and find what, what was going on and, and it would give you that ID. So very interesting, right? Like you haven't totally lost your work, although it's sort of just floating out there right now and it would yeah. be a bit of a pain to go get it. Well, yeah, and there's nothing to tell you where that file was. So like, right. all it is is a blob. So even if I were to um, say like have that committed and like, um, you know, if I were to go and make some changes to that file and it's going to get its own separate blob, there's no way to automatically put that stuff back together. So you as a human could go in there, figure out what it's supposed to be, what you intended it for it to do and kind of put Humpty back together again, but there's no way for it to do it. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back to what we said in that previous episode where a blob stores no metadata, right? It's only the content and it's in its size. And then, and then the hash ID is the, is the hash of those two things. I think that's where like, I think I'm pretty sure it was this, this book the get from the bottom up. Uh, I don't know if we said that already, but if we hadn't, uh, we'll definitely have some links to it, but yeah, if, get from the bottom up. I believe it was in this book though, where they also mentioned that like, it's really hard to like truly lose stuff in mm-hmm. Git, you know, and, and, and unless you just let enough time pass that things do get garbage collected out. But now I can't find the, I thought it, I could have sworn that we read it in this book and now I'm not finding it. So I don't know. That's where I'll just go to the Google machine and be like, what is it? All right. So, so hopefully we've drilled that in, right? Like the Git reset dash dash hard. And then if you go ahead or leave it off, that's sort of getting rid of everything except your object ID still hangs around or your object hangs around in the Git folder for a little while. So that's different than the next one. The safer way to do this is Git checkout and then a, a SHA-1 of a commit. And this is similar to the dash dash hard, except any changes in your working tree are preserved. So what this is saying is, hey, check out things from this particular commit ID. But if I've made any changes in my local directory, don't blow those away. Right. And so it's sort of a safer way to get back to a previous state that you were looking at for that commit without destroying what you already had there. You know, what's funny is, um, get reset, uh, is really fast, right? Like I've, I mean, I've reset (laughs) too many times, and uh, it, it goes really fast. I don't know how it reconstructs things so quickly because I mean, if you just watch these blobs build up, you'll see like one particular file. If there's been a lot of changes to it, you end up with a lot of blobs. So I assume we'll get into kind of how how it can be so efficient at restoring. But, uh, you know, it doesn't like if you think about like if you are programming, you know, your own version control system right now today, like how you would do that. Like that's not easy to restore to a point and, you know, to do it perfectly really quick. So hey, yeah, well, one, that's going to vary based on the size of that repo, though, and how many changes you have. Yeah, but a git git reset. I've never had a slow git reset where I'm like, oh, it's still resetting. I can yeah. help you with that. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> uh, just to close the loop on the on the garbage yes. collection defaults to ninety days. And okay, wow. and I think in the, like a previous episode too, I had questioned like how how it manages to find like all the objects that aren't referenced. And our buddy Reflog comes back again to save the day because if I'm reading this correctly, it's using the Reflog to find the things that, uh, you know, that that have expired, or or that are, actually, that, uh, the things that it needs to evaluate. I guess let's start. Let's say it that way. Yeah, we've actually uh, in a, coming up in the notes later. We got a bunch of commands that we'll talk about different ways you can refer to commits and like uh, operations you can perform on them. And one of those is like 
finding diffs between two things or finding the uh, commits with no parents and, you know, all sorts of interesting stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, there's these tools that you can use and it, it makes sense when you dive a little deeper and figure out what Git needs to do. Oh, totally. It, the, the commands cleared up a lot of stuff for me and things that I've seen and stack overflows and whatnot over the years that I was like, all right, I'll run that. I don't know what it does. Um, Wait, but, where'd all the stuff go? Right. Yeah, exactly. So on this checkout though, there's a very, other important difference other than other than a git checkout not blowing away your current working tree changes there is one more super important thing that you have to understand about it is when you do a git reset dash dash hard it changes head which remember that's just an alias that points to the latest commit in whatever branch you're in right when you do a git checkout of a hash it does not repoint head so so if you were basically working on something you had things going on and maybe you're, you're three commits ahead, but you wanted to get some of the things back from a couple commits ago. You could say get checkout and then that commit hash back then. It does not change your head to point back to that old commit ID. It leaves it where it is. Whereas a get reset does it repoints your head to whatever hash you used or, you know, so that's really important to know. So. That's not something I knew before. I've done Git checkouts before to pull in the latest version of a file, but I'd never actually done it to a previous commit ID like that. I want to make sure, though, that like we're saying this correctly, because if you do a Git checkout of a commit, if you were to go in like cat the value of head uh, of that file, it has a commit ID in it, right? It, well, whatever commit no. ID you checked out. And if you if you check out a branch... Then the, and you cat the same head file, then it has the ref, the, the name of whatever that branch ref is, right? And so the branch is the one that has the, the, the commit ID in it at that point. So the file head is just saying like, oh, you need to go find this other file and it'll tell you what commit ID it has in it, right? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think what I'm saying is if you were to do a, um, so, you know, find out what head was, it would still be whatever that branch's head was pointing to before you did that get checkout. Well, I guess Although what I, I wanted to idea. say, what I wanted to clear up though, is it's not changing head in, in those two scenarios to have the commit ID in one scenario. It's not actually changing the head, the file head. If you're on a branch, it's changing the branch, the file of Correct. the branch. Right. Correct. And, yeah, and that gets confusing, but think of the branch as a four as branch. the name of a file, right? Because that's right. the way Git's treating it. Exactly. It's it, it in the if you're checked out to a branch and you do the Git reset, then it's changing the Branches. file that is named whatever your branch is. Correct. The commit ID that it points to. But if you check out the commit ID, it's actually updating the file head, the file yeah. named head. Yeah, either. Yeah, so absolutely. And uh, I, I did a couple of experiments here. So just like you said, like if you check out uh, and then it's it's going to update that file. But if you do, if you do a, if you do the checkout, what it, the difference between it and the reset is that it'll it'll both will change the head, but one won't lose any changes you've gotten in your working directory. Oh, OK. I'm I don't I think when was, you said that. Yeah, I don't think. So if I do uh, git checkout main, 
then it changes uh, the head file to say ref, you know, ref's head's main. Yep. If I do checkout of a commit, it's going to change that head to point to just the commit hash. If I do one, a tag, two, it's three, also yep. going to do the commit hash, one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if I do a reset, uh, then, uh, and dash dash hard, then it's going to make sure that head still points or that, uh, yeah, the head, the head doesn't change, but it resets the files in your working directory. Correct. That's what I was saying. So when you do, when you do a reset dash dash hard, it repoints head in your branch to whatever that commit ID was that you put in there. Right. No, if that's the thing. A- that's the, that's where the wording, that's where the wording is losing me. If you do the get reset hard, dash dash hard with the commit ID it's not changing the file named head it's changing the file named what your branch is named so listen this is what it says directly from the paragraph okay um if i pass uh the difference here is if i change blah 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 blah. if i pass dash f blah 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 checkout only ever changes the working tree whereas reset dash dash hard changes the current branch's head to reference the specified version of the tree yeah, that's the file that is named the branch. Because remember, it's refs slash heads slash branch. Because because like if you were to go digging through your dot git directory, right? The, there's a file that is the name of the branch, right? Am I remembering this wrong? Yeah, yeah. No, it's under refs head. I, I just said it a second ago. Um, but so a branch. Remember, head is just an alias to the latest commit in a branch. There's two right? things. No, I, I. That's why I'm trying to be super clear here. There's a file okay. named head. Okay. okay. And that file is the alias that, that get uses throughout. Like it almost uses the same as an environment variable. There's it's used all over the places, like where you can do a get reset hard head, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's also in the refs folder, there are heads and one of them is your branch. So like if you were to go poking around in that, uh, and I'm trying to like get in there now so i can go look yeah. refs, refs heads, heads. you have one for master main whatever yeah and so then if you were to go if you were to go into your dot git directory into a folder called refs slash heads you will see one per branch that you have created right. and those are also files the same as the file named head right and in the contents of these files that are named whatever your branch is named it has the commit ID that currently represents the head of that branch. So when you check out a branch, the file name, the head is used way too many times in this analogy, in this description, the file that is named, when you check out a branch, the file that is named head gets updated to say refs slash head slash whatever the branch name is. Right. Right. And then that file refs slash heads slash, let's say, trunk is the name of your branch right right ref slash head slash trunk that file named trunk gets updated with whatever the commit id so as you add right. a new commit id it, it it updates that you add an, a third commit id it updates the trunk file again and now right. you decide you know what i want to do uh what was his name john said to do this get uh reset dash dash hard and specify commit id it's updating the file trunk and right. named trunk right. in this example because it's not head changing the file to head that. right yes, yes. The, the file named head is just simply referencing that hey if you want to know where to find the head you should go point to this other file right head is always an alias that points to whatever the the branch that you're on whatever Except that thing is that's where it gets different because if you go to a com- if you check out a commit or tag then the file head gets updated to a specific commit 
Oh, that's the that's the distinction no I'm trying to make. Oh, so you're saying yeah. it no longer points to the branch, right? It, the it, branch yeah. head. Okay, and that's okay. where you if get you, into a detached head state. Yeah, and you could tell like if you actually just watch that file, like in VS Code, like it's really great about updating, so you can try this stuff. Um, by default, head will point to the word ref colon space, and then a directory path ref heads master for by default. If you do, if you check out a commit, it just does a commit hash, like no, no preamble, no uh, nothing. But what's funny is like I, I had some fun and like I actually changed like the paths in this, and it totally works. Like you could just like make a path, like a folder anywhere you want in here with a file in it, you know, put a hash in there and <laughs> update this head, and it'll take it. It's pretty because cool. it's always pointing, it's always looking at those files anytime it's doing anything, right? Yep. Okay, so that wasn't clear in what that paragraph said there. So that's, that's why I wanted to clear that up because the okay. word head is used way too many times and it and it's confusing because he's referring to the branches head, mm-hmm. not the file head. And right. and where he like made it where where it got extra confusing is that when you're reading this, there's this annotation where like head is always in all capital letters. Right. And so you think that he's referring to the the special alias right. in this example because he capitalized it again, but he's not. It should be lowercase in this specific example or okay. this specific thing. Which, by the way, this is we should say this is on GitHub. You want to yeah. you want to make a commit and and help contribute to. Uh, um, I can't pronounce his last name because I always get it wrong. I'm gonna try again, John Wigley. No, did I get it? Tell me I was closer. Oh, that's good. Uh, vaguely. Dang it! It's always the second letter has the if it's if it's German, right? It, so okay, that's why good. Would I, why would I think a W would be pronounced like a V? Well, it, well, in German, it's a W is a V, and then you use the second letter as the as the. So if it was E I, it would have been vaguely, but here it's vaguely because it's so, I E. So it's yeah. So it's V. Vigley. Anyways, I don't right. I don't know if he's German, but that's you know. So Alan's it, gonna school me in proper nouns. <laughs> uh, I lived in Germany for a minute, so um, I don't know much about it anymore. But anyways, we should do a book on we should that's that should be our next book on proper nouns, how to pronounce things. There you go. <laughs> All right, so that was actually really useful because again, the the page there did not make that clear, and like Outlaw said. Everything on the page is referencing head in upper caps, and that is generally meant as the alias, right? Like when you're doing any Git commands. Yeah, so, file named head. Right. All right. So good. All right. So the next part is some some simple, hopefully, simple concepts to grasp here. If a kit if a commit has multiple parents, it's a merge, right? Um Outlaw mentioned that earlier. And if a commit has multiple children, then it represents the ancestor of a branch. So Pretty pretty basic stuff, and they both make sense if you've ever seen their little bubble diagrams where they show the circles and the lines and all that. Now, I, I, can I can I share something that I'm, I should be embarrassed to share? But I'm going to do it anyways because that's what I do. <laughs> hey, didn't you just earlier say we don't always need to share everything? Oh, <laughs> uh, we, we decided to cut that part from the show. Yeah, so. yeah we did. Cut you, that you, part. You'll appreciate this one though. This isn't some kind of weird reference like what Joe would bring up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that second statement took me so long to figure out like, wait, what is he talking about? What does he mean here? Like if a commit has multiple children, it represents the ancestor of a branch. And I'm like, for the life of me, like, what 
is going on? What is he trying to describe here? And I don't know why it just wasn't clicking until eventually, I think it was like, I think I eventually gave up and it went on. Cause that was like the pair that like literally that chapter ended on, on that statement or, you know, around it. And, and I was like, well, for whatever. So I went on to the next uh, chapter or maybe it was on the one after that. And then I'm sitting, it was like, Oh wait, I know what he was talking about now. And he's saying that if the, if the child, if the commit has multiple children representing the ancestor of a branch. And I was like, okay, if you, if your main development branch is called trunk, and Alan creates a branch called Alan and Joe creates a branch called Joe and I create one called Michael. Then we are all our, our, and we committed at the same time. We were, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. We right. created our branches at the same time off of the same commit ID. Then that one from trunk would all have these child, these three branches that are children of it because it's the ancestor branch that we branched from. And I'm like, I don't know why that didn't click with me like immediately because the first one did, if it had multiple parents and I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. You know, what's funny is you got all the head stuff where that was all mixed up and it wasn't as clear as it needed to be. But this, this very basic thing of of parents and grandparents. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why it just didn't. It, it, you know, it, I, I don't know. Hey, but in fairness, like, again, we have the link here. It's the beauty of commits is this particular page. If you scroll down to the very bottom of that page, they have a, a chart there, a graph or a picture. I don't know. Um, of this whole notion. So this whole head and where things are pointing to and ancestors and children and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice to be able to visualize it in terms of what these are. So, um, definitely check that out. And you also just look at any uh, Git folder. So uh, Git, uh, sorry, VS Code actually hides the Git folder, the .git folder by default, but you can change that. Uh, I forget how I did. I had to get to Google it. Just like a list of folders that I'll not uh, include by default. And it's cool just to watch this thing change. But once you get past like one or two files in Git, uh, forget about it because <laughs> like looking in the objects directory, like, ooh, I've had to create so many different repositories uh, during these last couple episodes just because like. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, once you do one or two, and you know, like, and then like all the said, changes the on them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's impossible to see what's going on. So I'm constantly just creating new ones. And now I have a whole Git folder that I blow away from time to time and then start over again. That's the way to do it. Yeah. And, and you can, like you, you mentioned about the cleanup, like you can run the garbage collection manually yeah. if you wanted to. Um, but you definitely like run the risk of like, well, you know, if you were in a situation where you might want to go back to something, then you can't. Yeah, here's a tip for you, by the way. Never delete your branches. Not off your local, not off the uh, you know GitHub or GitLab. Or I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> no, yeah, sorry, I was trying to trigger out off. <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely you're definitely triggering me. Thank you for doing that. No, because yeah. because okay, uh, well, tangent alert. Because you know, some people might be saying like, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, don't delete them. Why would you care? And and. Maybe somebody else is out there, but like here, here's a reason why you might want to care because depending on what your build automation is, that's just that many more heads that it has to go. And, you know, uh, the build automation might have to go and inspect because in the case, I'm going to pick on Jenkins for a minute. Like Jenkins is awful about the way that it does it, or at least with the, the, uh, plugins that we were using for it because it does it serially. So Mm. if you kept your 50,000 branches around, then it's like, oh, 
well, let me go check these 50,000 branches. And you're like, but I just added a new one. Why don't you focus on it? I don't know about that new one yet. I got, I got these first 50,000 I got to get to. These are my first 50,000 customers. <laughs> I'll come back to you. Uh, so plus yeah. it's like if you clean up after yourself and you do something like you're like, oh crap, what was that name of that branch that I was using the other day? Let me just do get branch. If you've got like fifty thousand in there, good luck. Yeah, right but, with, but uh, also from just a from just a, a compaction kind of point of view, if you have all those branches out there and you know, a lot of them might represent things that you don't merge in that you have no intention of merging in, or maybe it's like you, maybe you had all intentions of working on it, but now three years have gone by and you still haven't merged it in. But guess what? Because it's being pointed to garbage collection is never going to get rid of it. So now you're just bloating the size of your repo. So yeah, cause it's holding all those objects around because there are references to them. Yeah. yeah. And for the, for most people who aren't like dealing with it on the server side, they're gonna be like, I don't care. Because right. you're not going to have, it's not bloating it necessarily for you. So, yeah, you're yeah. melting the polar ice caps. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, but <laughs> there was another point that I was going to make tier two with the with the commits and the multiple parents though, because uh, you know Git does this thing like you know called an octo merge, right? Because it's you know we typically just merge two commits more often than not, but you don't technically have to. You could mul- you could merge multiple things if you wanted to. Right? I don't know that I've ever done that. So so that multiple parents thing, the the, the thing that I wanted to call out there is that um you know it it's it's not two. Like it it's weird more. that they call it parents in this book because you know, obviously, you know, we think of parents and we're gonna think of mom and dad, right? Like we're gonna think of two, right? But really, it the point that I wanted to drive home is in Git, it doesn't have to be two. It could be as many as you wanted, and that's why there's the Octocat. Okay. Because of it, you know, it's not it's not just doing two merges. It, that that's why the GitHub logo is the Octocat. Is where I'm going with that. Oh, because it's Octo Merge. Interesting. All right. So to to wrap up this particular section here. Um, just reiterating again, Git is a collection of commits, each of which holds a tree, which reference other trees and blobs, which store data. Like that's that's kind of it. Now there's a bunch of other stuff wrapped around it, but that is how the things are stored, and that's the basics there. Um, all the other things in Git are named concepts, but they all boil down to what we just said in the basic storage stuff. And then I already mentioned that image on that page. Go take a look at it. It will help you understand some of that stuff. And then you'd be like, oh, yeah, ancestors. I get it. Outlaw was <laughs> just silly. Parents. Grandparents. <laughs> he, he was just silly goose. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I think, actually, they even show, well, squares are blobs, so never mind. Uh, the Triangles were the new. So, okay. I was going to say that they show, like, one with a three a three-way merge, but it's not. No, they don't have it. So, all right. Well, uh, let me go ahead and say it before Joe makes it weird and, and jumps in here and says this. Uh, if you have, because look at the smile on his face. He was going, you know, he was like crafting something weird to say. We're like, hey, I'll tell you what, if you give me a two star review, two and a half stars, I'll buy you a cup want. of coffee and be your friend for life. But uh, <laughs> pumpkin coffee. Yeah, pumpkin spice. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, if you haven't already left us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can find some helpful links at www.net slash coding blocks. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> 
I said www.net slash coding blocks. That is awesome. I yeah, kind of wanted that work? Like, why did that sound right? <laughs> <laughs> We're registered tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, somebody, somebody bought the domain www. They had to, right? Yeah, it's got to exist for sure. Um, okay, so I'm going to try this again. Uh, keyword coding blocks. dot <laughs> net slash review. Uh, there's some helpful links there, and uh, you know we've said this before, but uh, we really do appreciate reading those. They always put a smile on our face. You know, we get we get. Uh, you know, people write in either by, by reviews. Sometimes we get them through emails. Uh, sometimes it's things that, you know, people will hit us up on Twitter or in Slack or wherever, you know, whatever's convenient for them. Cause we're, we're, you know, little social butterflies. We're in a lot of places, but, uh, you know, and we hear some of these stories of, of, that people share with us of like how, like we touched our lives in ways that like we never could have envisioned. So it really does mean a lot to us. And, and, uh, you know, if you've left a review, you're tired of hearing me saying it, but we really do appreciate it. And I just wanted to like drive that point home and, you know, um, you know, let you know that it wasn't going unnoticed. So, all right. Hey, uh, Ella, that yeah. was not weird. I appreciate that. That was, that was yeah, not see? a weird ask. See, that was good. That's what happens when Joe doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> God. Really appreciate it, y'all. Oh, God. oh, he went Southern. That's good. Was it? It was almost like Mr. Mackey, I thought. Echoes on 97. Uh, WMFE. ASMR Southern. That's, that's totally not how that guy sounds, by the way. I don't know why. I'm, I am te- I've always been terrible at accents. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Get a pie, fry. All right. So, uh, we're, so how about we play another round of Google Feud? I like it. All right. Let's do it. Uh, I don't, I don't, how would they, uh, let's play Google feud, I guess would be about as close to, um, although Steve Harvey isn't the one that says, uh, the family feud thing. So I don't know who does that, but, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be, tr- I'm going to try to be as good as that. Although, you know, I'm not going to do, what was the the original guy's name for family feud? Richard something. Oh, he was really creepy, dude. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to kiss you. Appropriately grab her shoulders and stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to kiss you or anything like that. Cause that was like weird. <laughs> so here I put, we're going to do it a different way though this time instead. Cause like the last one was specific to get, uh, but this time I'm going to do it a little bit different. So you're going to pick one of these categories. And so, uh, you guys can see it here in the show notes, but for those listening uh, at home, <clears throat> the choices are culture, people, names, question, animals, entertainment, food, I'm feeling lucky, or question of the day. And by Tatako's rules of engagement, I believe Joe oh, is I first on picking today. Thank you. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm feeling lucky 25%. Wait. <laughs> That's not how that goes. No. <laughs> So, okay. He, he wins. <laughs> All right. I finally won one. All right. So we're going with, I feel, I'm feeling lucky. Here we go. Feeling lucky. Yep. So and I got to make sure it's also like appropriate. <clears throat> All right. So the question is, who was the voice of blank? And there are 10 possible choices and you will give me your choice. And whoever gets the highest choice wins. Batman. Darth Vader. Okay. Dang. So I have Vader and Batman. So I'm going to, I heard Joe say Batman first. So I'm going to say Batman. Who was the voice of Batman? 
Oh, that's not even on the top 10. I'm sorry. Dang. Darth Vader. I, I feel good about this one. That's good. I feel good about this one. Darth Vader. The number two answer. Wow. Alan wins it. Who was number one? Uh, okay, then let's find out. Who was the voice of Buzz Lightyear? Oh. Buzz oh, Lightyear. Oh, that's recency bias. Yeah. Come yep. on. That is. Buzz, that is. buzz, 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 Lightyear. All right. Yep. So do they I was, get to pick one now? Okay, yeah, we can do another round, but I'll just finish out the, the number three, Fred Flintstone. Number four, Alf. I don't think that's Ooh. recency bias there. No. Another one from Blast from the Past for the fifth one, Kit. Wow. From Knight Rider. Yeah. Wow. There you go. All right. Man. So no Batman. Come on. I, I, met, I immediately thought of like Batman, the animated series, which, yeah, not a great choice, but Mark oh, Hamill, by the way. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wow. Scotty in Strange New Worlds. The, wow. The modern civil rights movement. <laughs> That's a random one. <laughs> okay. Gizmo, Winnie the Pooh, and Charlie on Charlie's Angels. Wow. Okay. Like one of those got super serious. The rest of them are like all light and fun. And one of them was like yeah. super serious. So let's try the next round. All right. Let's. Uh, do- oh, yeah. I forgot you were going to pick thing, yeah, a category. Pick let's do culture. Culture. Uh, okay, let I'm me out. Get... Oh, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. Culture. You hold your pinky up when you drink the the martini. Wait. That's culture, right? Well, uh, let me. Uh... Uh, pumpkin spice. Okay, we'll try this one. I don't know where Google's going to take me on it, but hats for like a hat, like you would put on your head. Hats for baseball. Baseball. Ooh. Church. 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 <laughs> yeah, man. People wear some. I can't believe hats I, I got a baseball was not on the list, and I'm going to type it again just to make sure I didn't mistype it because how could baseball not be on there? And it wasn't. Church. Wow. No I way. thought you had, I thought that was number one, Alan. I will give yeah, you credit. Same. Hats for church. Not on there. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> uh, Kentucky Derby. Oh. Yeah, That's these weren't boring. even really that good. Uh, oh, hats, hats for big heads. That's one I Google all the time. Yep. This men, women, Googles. big heads, sell, dogs, yeah. cats, kids. Yeah, these were they were all like very, you know. Dogs? They generic. weren't funny. That's well, hats for dogs? Sure. Like for Halloween? Come on. What? Look, Joe's Joe's about to mess his dogs up. Oh, yeah, these are super cute. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All oh right. my gosh, they're so cute. I can't take it. <laughs> well, how you you wanted to get back into to get then? All right, let's let's get back into get. Get it. All right, this is this is where things get get um hairy. Yeah, I mean. So I, I don't think anything was going to be any hairier than that head, head, head thing was. Yeah, the head of the head of the head, pointing to the right. head and updating the head. I will. I do want to prefix this section, though, because this section is really like in your podcast player. Most podcast players, you can you can see the show notes that we publish along with the episode. So you can follow along with what we're saying. If not, you can go to www w.codingblocks.net slash episode 192. You can follow the show notes, or if you're reading the uh, 
get from the bottom up book. You can follow along in this chapter that's called a get, uh, I'm sorry, a commit by any other name, because the point is there are a lot of examples that the author gives here that will say without like, uh, you know, harping on the syntax of it so much, I think would be a fair way to say that because it, it, it can get hairy quick. Yeah. But the key here is, is knowing that there are these things that you can do and understanding that when you see them, what they're doing, it will actually help you out a lot. So we'll, we'll cover a few things real quick. So, um, they already said the key to really understanding Git in general is just understanding the commit topologies, right? Like we've been talking about that quite a bit. Um, and then they say that learning to name your commits is sort of the way that you can really get good with using Git. Um, so there's a few things, right? The branch name. This is the name of a branch as an alias to the most recent commit on that branch, right? And this is head. This is this is what the alias head refers to in Git, like if you do all caps. Um, tag name, they said is similar to the name that points to a specific commit. Difference is a tag can't change the commit ID, right? It doesn't move. It doesn't change. Um, head is the currently checked out commit. It's whatever the latest is in a branch that you're on. Um, now, this is this is where some of the technicalities start coming in. So your, your hash IDs, they're SHA-1 hashes of things, they're 40 characters long. You could always check out or get to one of those things by just, you know, get, check out, and then pasting in that, that hash, the entire 40 characters. You can also, and this is what Joe said earlier, is you can also check it out by using a much shorter version, like six or seven characters, whatever is enough to make that hash unique with those first several characters, right? It might be four if you don't have very many commits on your system. It might be six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. But you can do it with the shorter version. If you just created your commit, you could just do it with one. If you just created your repo and only had one commit. One character, yeah, you totally could. Isn't Um, that crazy, though, Like to think that like on a large repo that six to seven characters are generally enough shows you how random it is. Right. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I still thought about that. I was like, well, okay. Seven. If you went with seven characters, then you basically have uh what? 36 possible, pos- you know, uh, 26 choices per, nine. you know, yeah. cause it, cause there's no, the uppercase doesn't matter here. So, yeah, it, yeah, there is a minimum, by the way. You say so you can't actually do just one. Oh, you can't. Oh, it won't. Let yeah, you. I thought earlier when we were, um, I was trying to do that. I was trying to do that where I was just typing one A, and it wasn't enough. Uh, it looks like four is the minimum. Okay, so okay. they force it on you. Yeah, so, I don't know why. But I, I tried one, two, three, and then four. So it so so that there's another uh, pull request opportunity for the book then to because he because the book does say you only need as many digits of a hash ID as are needed for a unique reference within the repository. Hey, so Jay-Z, real quick, um, if I remember right, when we were looking in those Git folders, it was like a couple of characters and then a dot and then some odd. How many characters are before the dot? Is it just two? Oh, it's a slash. Oh. Yeah, two for the folder. So like I'm looking at it, it can be hash, for example, it's D8488 and then a bunch of stuff. D doesn't work. Eight doesn't work. That makes sense. Now it's the folder. You would think four would be enough. It's like, okay, fine. It's the folder in the first. Nope. But D48, uh, sorry, D848 is enough. 
Okay, interesting. So it wasn't the slash. I was wondering if it might have had to do with how it was storing yeah, things. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Okay. So, so right. you're saying that it needed three or four, four, four minimum four for me minimum. to check out on window, you know, on my version to get whatever. Um, maybe that's changed. I don't know. Oh, that's a good call out too. I wonder which version I get you're using. Mm. Maybe. All right. So this this next one, this is where things start getting interesting. This is where I used to see stuff on Stack Overflow, and I was like, I don't even know what this is, but I'll paste it in, and hopefully, magic will work. Right. So if you see. If you see where it's got the name and then a carrot afterwards, the carrot tells Git to go to the parent of the provided commit. So, you know, go up one, right? Up one commit from the one that, that you referenced. If you do, you can start stacking carrots. So you could have name, carrot, carrot. You could have name, carrot, 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 whatever. And that's literally just, hey, go up to the next parent. Now, Here's something that's really interesting that you have to know about, and Outlaw called it out earlier. If you have multiple parents, right? It doesn't just have to be two. You could have three. You could have four. You know, like he said, there's this octo um, merge thing. If you say go up to the parent, it's going to go up to the first parent in the list. So if you do name carrot, it's going to go to the first one. If you do name carrot carrot, it's going to go to the first parent, then that parent. Um, the first parent in the chain. So pretty interesting. Outlaw, you want to take the next one or Dizzy? Well, I was just going to like uh, say that if you had multiple parents, then you can specify in the to carrot because to build on what your example was, the name of it, carrot, and then the number of the parent. So like, you know, in case that you only have typically two, and this is where like Git also doesn't follow everything else in computer science. Right. Because it starts counting from one. <laughs> one. Yeah. It's not zero indices. So like what outlaw was just saying is you'd have name carrot two. That'd say, Hey, that doesn't mean go up to parents. That means go to my, in my parent list, go to the second parent that's up one level for me. So name carrot two would be that. If you did name carrot three, that would say, hey, go to the third parent that's just above me. So pretty interesting. The next one. some experiments here. Yeah. It's like some of these things that like wrote point to one or the parent or whatever. Like, what if you don't have a parent? Uh, guess what? If there's an error, like what right. did I expect it to do? Yeah, right. that's, that's well, kind I mean, of what you'd think. Uh, same as like we saw if you initiated a repo and you do a get log, right? Like it right. also yeah. threw, threw the error too. Yeah, um, nothing there. You know, the... The number of those, this is somewhat off topic, but like, can you think of an example where those number of parents would come into play that you might need to know and care? Have you ever been in a situation where? I don't think so. Let me, let me rephrase the question. What's a situation, a get situation, not not necessarily specific to what we were talking about here with names, named commits, but what, what's a, what's a, a situation where, there are multiple parents and you care to know which one of those you, you want to use. Um, all right. Mm. I think so. I would have a commit that's got say two or more parents and I want to choose between them. Mm-hmm. If you're doing conflict resolution, maybe I don't know. Joe, you got to guess. Still thinking about it, so I've committed 
same commit to two. You guys are going to kick know, yourself when you, when you hear my example. Because you're going to be like, revert. oh, I've definitely done this. Mm-mm. Or at least that's, know. you know, I mean, both of your examples aren't the ones I'm thinking of. So, yeah, I don't uh, know. Cherry pick. Well, well, I guess when I create a new branch. No, I don't know. A cherry pick. So if you want to cherry pick a merge, you can't. You can't cherry pick a merge commit. So instead, what you have to do is you can give it the merge commit Uh, ID, but then you have to tell it which one is the main line to pick. uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah, good call. Yeah. And so in that case, you know, you're going to see all of the all of the parents are going to be listed in the merge commit and they're going to be numbered from one. And you're going to say like, you know, this is, this is mainline one, okay. you know, and it's weird too, how, how it does that, uh, because it picks it by number instead of, you would think that it would make more sense to use the commit ID and say like right. dash M and then, you know, like the first seven of the commit Shaw or, or of the Shaw. And instead it doesn't, it's like, you know, one, two, three. And you're like, Oh, I want number four as my mainline. And you know, you do dash M four. So that's weird. Interesting. All right. So this next one up, we talked about if you had the name and then carrot, carrot, you can accomplish the same thing with shorter things. If you don't want to start typing in 20 carrots, if you're trying to go up 20 parents, you can do name tilde and then the number of ancestries you want to go back. Right. So if you did name tilde 10, it would go up to, you know, the 10th, Uh, parent up the chain and again this is always going to pick the first and in the parent lineage as it's going up what is that you know i've not been able to get name to work uh it's it's, because here the because here name is like the commit so so name is either going to be like head or the first seven of your shawl like that. So oh, that's what right. the author is using to signify name here. Like he he's using name generically, right? Yeah. So I, was, I do. I tried like git log, uh, then a couple of numbers might commit, and then the tilde. I've seen or not not tilde the carrot. I've seen like head carrot. Let me try. I think that. you can do head. I think you can do the branch name as well. Yeah, you could do the mm-hmm. branch name, the tag name, the head, or the commit ID because that's where it starts off. Like the you know he the author starts off saying if commits are the key because he's talking about like how to understand git right if mm-hmm. commits are the key how you name commits is the doorway to mastery is what he says and so you know you think about these commands like these different ways that you can reference commits like oh I'm on uh, whatever my head is I want to go I want to know what it was I want to see a file or a diff or whatever from five commits ago. And it's like, well, how can I get to that, right? Then that's where he's saying the mastery of this thing comes into play where you could do like uh, name tilde five to see the commit, uh, you know, to see what was five commits ago. If you wanted to like look at a file from five commits ago or look at, uh, you know, the log or whatever. Because like, let's take Jay-Z for example, right? Like let's pick on Jay-Z for a minute. We never do that. But you know, because like Jay Z's like a get a get commit fool, right? He's like committing all the time, right? <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Bro, right? commit, 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 commit. And th- and then he's like, hey, you know what? I know I did some. I know three commits ago this was working, right? And so this is where like you know you might want to do that diff against it. And and he's the author saying like, you know, sure you could go and do a git log and get that shaw and look at the file that way if you wanted to. But this is where he's saying the mastery of it would be like 
oh, now I, now I can like elevate my, my level by not referencing it uh, by that commit. I could do head totally three to get to something three commits go to like diff it or whatever. Right. So I figured I was doing wrong, by the way. Um, in my various experiments, I didn't realize that I had uh, chopped all my uh, commits down to just one. So I was trying to do the parent of my first commit. And you had nothing, yes. Yeah, so the, yeah. no matter what I tried, the uh, the carrot didn't work because I only had one commit and that commit didn't have a parent. So it was another case where it was uh, it was just an error. So the command was valid, but I got an error, which is um, totally fine. And, you know, right, it's just kind of funny. Like, I'm so used to like modern software, you know, kind of like hold my hand a little bit and be like, now, now you don't have a parent. You can't right. do that. <laughs> right. Now, th- this next one was pretty cool, though, because we built uh-huh. on this concept. <clears throat> we've, we've, we've established that the way the author is using the the letters in ame you know name here c- could could mean multiple things right so like it could mean name tilde 10 it could mean head it could mean uh the branch name whatever and he says like you could also append colon and the path to some file there right which is helpful again going back to the diff example that i was describing a minute ago if you wanted to to diff something you know, you could specify the file. You could compare like, you know, two different, uh, in the, in the book here, he gives the example of like, if I wanted to see what does my file look like from one commit ago versus two commits ago, then he does this get diff using head tilde one colon file name head tilde two. I'm sorry. I'm saying tilde, um, in his example, he's not going against the, the commits from one and two commits ago. He's going against the, uh, no, you're commits right. of the oh, of the, the parents, the, the parents, yeah, the two different parents, yeah, because he's doing carrot one, carrot and carrot two, right, it, but pointing to the same file name. <clears throat> so, yeah. so but the point is that, like, you know, we we've, we've generically defined the name, what name can be, and now I'm saying you can tack on colon path to something to that as another way of like getting even more granular about what you're trying to go after. And that name portion of it can be all those crazy things that we talked about before, where it could be named carrot, name tilde, name, you know, whatever. So you can reference very specific things to get to those paths you want. So it's really powerful, right? And this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about that I've seen on Stack Overflow and I look at it and I go, I have no idea what that's doing, but all right, fine, let's do it. Right. I, mean, I think and, we're all going to have a better understanding of what we're doing now after reading through this, this book. I mean, I, I got to say, like, I really appreciate that John put this together. Yeah, this is, this is pretty, I say his fun. first name only like, like he and I are best friends. Like we get together, you know, Mr. Weekly. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next one is name carrot, uh, open curly, the word tree close curly. So this one's kind of interesting. Uh, you could probably imply or infer what it is, Instead of referencing the commit, you can actually reference the tree held by the commit if you do this command. I can't think of a reason outside of software that I'd want to do this. You know, like if I was writing Git programs, but maybe there's a reason. Um, but pretty interesting. You can get straight to the tree object without some of the other other commands that we had in the previous episodes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, did, I did a show. I did a Git show head carrot curly braces tree and it showed me the content that I had committed hmm. there. Interesting. At least in this example repo, I don't do I have a lot going on in here. 
I've made like Joe, I've made so many different repos to like follow along with some of the stuff, some of the examples in there. Yeah. That, you know, I have a few of them, but yeah, I had, I had a decent amount of stuff in this one. So yeah. Uh, and he had uh, a, <laughs> so the author went through and gave like a bunch of different list of things here that we're talking about. And like some of those things are fine for doing it like a checkout or like a reset, and some are appropriate for like a logs. And sometimes the things you would do don't make sense for one of those. Like, uh, you know, doing a, like you can do a range, for example, if you did like name one dot dot name two, uh, that's not something you do on a checkout, right? No, but you would on a log. Like yeah. you were just saying, you might even do it with a, with maybe a diff possibly. The, these are a little bit confusing to me. The next the, two. Yeah. The, so I think I get them, but, but they're, they both act very different, but they're very close in, in their syntax, right? So name one dot dot name two that Josie, that Jay Z just said, um, it gets the, uh, range of commits that are reachable, reachable from name two. So the second parameter of this, this, um, statement all the way back to, but not including the name one commit. So, it's it's just giving you a range of all those commits as long as it can trace itself back to the first one so name one then it's going to give you a list of all the commits after name one right yeah i think i've I've seen this before i think it's like when you do a rebase i sometimes it'll do the little dot dot so i've seen that syntax before but i never really understood what it meant you like get rebase dash i head tilde three it wrote you know say like i want to go back and look at three um but I, of course i don't have three commits in this one i could have sworn that where i've used that this was in regards to a diff but he f- refers to it um in the next one in the next one with the triple dot yeah so the triple dot is a little more interesting so the previous one was like hey show me everything uh, before name two all the way back to name one, right? Like if you're doing a get log type thing in the second one, you have name one triple dot name two. So here's where they say, like if you're doing something like a log and you do this, it's going to give you all the unique commits that are referenced by name one or name two. So, so it's almost like a, a, a union of those things, right? Like if you're thinking in a SQL statement or something like where you're doing a union, it's going to pull out the dupes. That's kind of what this is doing. Now it says for commands like a diff, the range is between name two and then the common ancestor of name one and name two. So if you're going to use these two that we're just talking about right here, the name one dot dot name two and the name one dot 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 name two name two triple dot. Yeah. Yeah, then you're you're really going to want to understand what you're seeing, what what's pulling out of this, right? Because it could really impact your assumptions on on what's happening. Yeah, and, uh, so I just did the uh, rebase dash i you know head trick, and uh, it, so th- what it does show you is th- it does use the dot dot syntax, which now I know how to read. So I know it's going from the commit it shows here dot dot the one here, so it's back to the the one the number I specified, but it does not include it. Uh, and then if I rebase of like squash these two together, it's telling me that it's going to replay those onto and it gives me another hash here. So the dot dot without anything after it implies head, right? So it was basically going from your latest commit all the way back to whatever you specified at the beginning of those dot dots, right? You did, I think you said head 
tilde three or something. Yeah. So let me try here. So I do a rebase instead of head tilde three. Let me try doing that. The dot dots. Oh, it doesn't like it. Uh, let's see. Upstream. Yeah. I'm so what? Goofing around. Yeah. While he's there doing that, like the next two kind of drive the point home of what Jay Z's saying right now is if you do like they said master here as the name of a branch. If they did master dot dot, that's the equivalent to master dot dot head, meaning. Hey, show me all the changes that happened since the last rebase or merge is, is essentially what that one's doing. And that's why he uses that one or wait, uh, that's the wrong one. No. When you're looking at the changes that were made in a branch since that point in time, the next one, the dot dot master is essentially head at the beginning and then dot dot master. It's equivalent. It's useful for seeing changes since the last rebase or merge. So go ahead. Well, I'm just going to add, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. In either way, though, head is going to be implied if you don't specify one in that scenario. Because I, I was curious, since he, since the author called it out in his example of branch colon, um, I'm sorry, branch dot dot, he called out that, you know, head, it was the equivalent of including head. And, it, and I was like, well, why didn't he include that same kind of, you know, call out on, dot dot branch name and at least in my example i did a git diff where i i was in some other branch and compared it to whatever the trunk branch was and i did you know git diff trunk dot dot versus git diff dot dot trunk and it literally showed me the same data just uh you know things were flipped around you know like what in the difference being of like whether or not i had added or removed something you know like or or if something was an addition to, I should say not add or remove, but if something was an addition versus something was a, uh, not really a subtraction, but you know, a missing, you know, kind of thing. Yep. So, yeah, uh, so, uh, I'm still playing with the rebase here. Sorry. Uh, so, you know, well, rebase I, I never is coming up in the next, in the next chapter, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but just in reference to like kind of how you can refer to different uh, different commits in different ways, and the you know things we're discussing here. So like I've just always been in the habit of doing like get rebase dash i, and I would do like head tilde I don't know maybe ten. And I would just kind of pick a number that seemed out right, and it never really occurred to me like the the all the different ways I could refer to ranges here. I was just like, this is how you do rebases. So now I know I can just pick a commit that I know is you know when I go back to, I can just pass that and it'll figure it out. I'll do the dot dot head. Uh, implicitly i can also just type in the name of a branch so if i want to basically rebase on top of another branch which is the way i would have said that before now i understand what it's doing if i do get rebase dash i and then the name of another branch what it's doing is saying hey rebase these changes going back to the commit this point to by the head of the branch i just typed so all these things it's just saying the same thing you know like it makes me understand this from like a more of a programmatic level where all i'm doing is just passing a range of commits and there's a bunch of different ways you can do that and now I feel like my uh, vocabulary with Git has increased, like at least double. I'm definitely going to scrutinize your pull request a little bit more now that I know that you just rebase on some randomly chosen Random commit. Well, I, so I'm doing interactive. So I'm basically like, oh, I've got about three or four of these that I want to squash together. So let me just pick ten, and then I'll go and do my three or four, and that's fine. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what else? Like, what if I get to look at the log? No. Oh, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to scrutinize yours too. <laughs> but yeah. don't you want like you want to see a little bit around your stuff? You know, you don't want to just you like that. You know, uh, see a little bit of before and after. You need a little buffer, huh, man? 
Not I'm surprised he doesn't do like tilde 30. I mean, he commits like every Some, five sometimes. minutes or so, right? I think he's I do at home. commit. Not at work. So at home, you know, I'm switching from the couch, whatnot. You know, that's another story. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I will say I can't wait till we get to the rebase section now because it was. It's good. He, I will just go ahead and say the author makes a very strong. Uh, you know, uh, opinion on on why you should rebase, but he's also I appreciated how careful he was in calling out why you want to be careful to not use the situations in which you want to be careful to not use it, as we've called out in past episodes as well. So I really appreciated that. Like I thought he did a, a great job of walking that line. Cool of it. So. All right. So the next few, there's only actually a handful left here. The next one is dash sense, like S I N C E equals, and then in quotes two weeks ago. So it makes sense, right? Like this is going to say, Hey, show me everything that's happened since that period of time. Now I don't know what all the syntax here is. I didn't realize it was so English, but that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I mean like you can do dash sense, you know, two weeks ago or dash until two week, uh, you know, one week ago or whatever. So like, again, you know, think about if you wanted to do a get diff of something or you want to like look at the log of something. So I don't know though, like how I've, I've known, I've known that Git had this. I don't know that I've ever in my life thought, Oh, you know what? Oh, this is, I want to use that now. Now somebody else might have like a great example of like when they would want to use it. You know, like, hey, I was on vacation and things were fine. So what changed since I've been on vacation, you know, or whatever? And then you would like know the time frame. But I, I've i just always used the IDs instead of some arbitrary, you know, time, especially think- when you're like not including like clock time, you know, and you're just using like something super fuzzy. Relative, right. Yeah, yeah. That's relative like two weeks ago because it's like, well, what does two weeks ago for you mean? Because like, what if like Alan threw in a commit that was like, you know, 40 seconds before that two weeks ago cutoff. And now I don't see his commit as part of whatever that get operation is that I'm doing. Right. Then you change your search that's to why three I, weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. That's what Joe would do. He'd rebase minus I three weeks ago. That's right. That, hey, I actually, I have an idea though. You said, when, when would you do this? I think it would actually be in conjunction with this next one. Right. Like, so I think I did something about two or three weeks ago. I can't remember what it was. I don't want to grep the entire commit log. So you could do dash grep equal and then put a pattern in. So if you did that in conjunction with your time frame, I think that makes sense. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Cause I, I've definitely done things where I'm like, well, I know I did that like last month. I, I, and I don't really want to have to try and go find the pull request where this happened or whatever. Then this would be a good way of putting in dash grep equal and then put your regex pattern and, and then, then you're limiting it to a time frame instead of going over all your commit log. Yeah. I remember there was like a, a git commit, uh, thing that I shared like way back early days of of the show like year one and and i remember like some people were like well what would be a situation that you would use that and and i, I shared it but uh now i was like I, i've gone back and i've thought about that and i'm like man i would never go back i would never look at it that way i would never <laughs> use that like i don't know what i was thinking about like 10 years ago all right it's on the record now 
Yeah. Right. Well, I guess I got to use it then. Yep. So the last few, the last few we have here are dash author equals, and then you put in the regex pattern. Um, and then yeah. dash committer equal pattern. And Jay Z, you want to talk about those? Yeah, it's just a weird one because uh, the first thing I was like, okay, fine, let's see what the the uh, author is. Okay, fine, let's see uh, what the whatever the committer is. Like, oh wait, isn't that the same thing? And the deal is, if you're working locally, and in almost all cases uh, nowadays, uh, those are going to be the same where your committer and author are. But uh, the cases where you're doing things over email, like someone sends you a patch, and yeah, then that might be a case where the committer is different than the author, and so the, those are technically two fields. Yeah, that one was odd. Yeah. So someone literally like, and this is like pretty specific to kind of like old Linux workflows and stuff where like someone literally emails a patch and you're like, okay, I like what you did here. I'm going to take it. And so I'm going to commit it, but I'm going to mark you as the author. Yep. And then the last one was dash no dash merges. And that would just return you only commits that have a single parent. So you, you don't have the multiple parent scenario. And that was it for the commands that they shared on this one. But I think those are all really useful to understand. Like if you see that syntax now, it, it shouldn't make your mind explode and just be like, oh, whatever. I, you know, I'm going to get rebase dash <laughs> head tilde five and see what happens. Yeah. So think about this. So, you know, um, when I like figure out how to cherry pick stuff, for example, from one branch to another, like, oh, yeah, I used to might have done it. But basically to, you know, look at my commits, look for the ones with my, you know, branch name or ticket name or whatever the comments and kind of gather those up and, and take them. But now I know a, a more precise way of doing that is now I could say, okay, uh, I, I guess get log. I'm still not sure about this part. So get log and then I can pass um, what do I want to do here. I, the name of the other branch. Yep. And then I'll have an implicit head. So it'll give me all the commits that are in my current branch that are past the head of the other branch I'm looking at. Dash, dash, no merges. So if I pulled in another branch or whatever, I don't worry about that. And that's going to give me a list of all the single commits that I should consider cherry picking over into the branch I'm looking at. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. So <clears throat> I apologize. I, uh, went off into like, you know, searching for it because I wanted to go back and find it. So I didn't follow all your example there, but, uh, I found the, the thing that I was talking about, the, the tip that I was talking about and, you know, going back and look at it, I'm like, okay, that is, that is different than what they're talking about here. And I went back and reread what we were talking about here with the grep pattern on, you know, from what the author was saying here. So, cause he's saying like, Hey, you could do like a dash, grep equals some pattern to refer to all the commits whose commit message matches that pattern. Right. Which I would have immediately been like, well, uh, why wouldn't I just do like a git log pipe that to grep, <laughs> grep that out, awk the, awk the first IDs. But the, you know, by doing this dash grep equal pattern, you can avoid that. The commit that I had or the, I'm sorry, not the commit. Well, I did commit to this um, in 2015, <laughs> But uh, the tip that I had from 2015 was not if you knew what your commit message was, but what your content was. Uh, How do you go back and find that then if you just knew the content? Hmm. Um, So like, I don't know, maybe I had some special variable called foobar and I knew that that thing existed 
at some point in time and it's since been removed, like, you know, what, what was it in, in that might be a silly example, but like, if you wanted to go back and find that content, you know, like, but you know, like a part of it. So that's still useful. Yeah. It's still useful. I still, you know, yeah, that one's okay. That was from episode two. <laughs> no, uh, okay, so sorry. I put, I put, I'll have a link in the show notes for this, but yeah, it goes back to episode 31 from 2015. It's been a minute. Yeah. You were what? 14? Cause you're 21 now, right? Something like that. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's, you know what? If it, you're back on the Christmas card list. That's right. If you go back and listen to <laughs> Outlaw sounded like this. So today's get tip is That's right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a minute. But yeah. So uh okay, so we 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 wrapped up while I was doing the search. So then uh yeah, we'll have a link to this book. Um dang it. I forgot it already. John Second letter. Wow. Vigley. There you go. Oh man, nailed it! Nice. Look at that. Get Show's over. Up. Let's just let's just stop it from right there. Nothing else. Hey, I got I got twelve okay. tips of the week. I we can't do that now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess we'll head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. All right, and looks like I'm going first. Uh, I think I always go first. So. Uh, Simon from the All the Cod, uh, Code podcast, which we've mentioned a few times. Uh, Simon's great. Uh, he uh, recommended to me Supabase. I was looking for uh, a way, basically a small project I wanted to work on. And I wanted a, a simple uh, JavaScript solution that I could do uh, where I could basically just work on the front end and be able to fetch simple data out of a database without having like a middle tier. Like I didn't want to have to go and create a new kind of C-sharp or Java or Django service or something and get that hosted and get it updated when all I'm doing is just like simple crud into and out of a database. So I was looking at some of the things that are out there, like uh, Firebase was the one that I probably uh, had come to mind immediately. So I asked for help in our uh, JavaScript channel in the Slack and uh, think got some great uh, tips there. Uh, also, uh, Psalmist mentioned before, uh, recommended to Sura, which is something I also really love, GraphQL. But the one uh, I ended up going with and liking the best ended up being Supabase, which I got from Simon. And what Supabase is, is it's an open source alternative to Firebase that's based on Postgres instead of a NoSQL database. You got me. Yeah, <laughs> it's really nice. Uh, you can host it yourself, so you can actually run it in a container and kind of work locally if you want, or you can use their service, which actually uh, has a, a really nice path to get to up to production. So they'll actually you can click one button and it'll spin up uh, Postgres in Heroku on the free tier. Now, I just read today that the free tier is going away, so you know who knows what's going to happen. To that and maybe they'll work something else out. But it was a great experience for me the weekend where I was basically able to get something like, up and hosted. And in addition to actually you know just making a really nice experience around you know getting something running on Heroku. Uh, they uh, provided JavaScript libraries for interacting with my database. You handle all your RBAC and stuff through creating policies on Postgres, which, you know, when you're thinking of like, if you're doing a very large, huge project, that's, you know, got a lot of really specific business logic and rules and stuff like that's probably sounding pretty scary to you. But if you just need to do a simple CRUD app, like that's awesome. Cause I was able to go in there and say, Hey, uh, reads for these five tables, uh, on authenticated, you can do whatever you want. Um, authenticated users can update, insert, and delete those tables, and they can also uh, read data in these other tables. I was able to do that in like two minutes. They had actually had a little wizard that would create it for you. That was just Postgres um, policies at the end of the day, so you can actually just manage it. You know, however you normally do your Postgres stuff. 
And so that was really great. And then there's also client libraries for querying the data. So I was able to just in JavaScript be able to say, you know, it's basically a DSL. It's like select this data from this table, join that table, wear this, order by that. And it read pretty close to a query, a uh, really good experience. And the docs were all really great. And it had a really nice integration with like authorization. So you're able to do like Auth0 or Google or even username and password. And uh, you got a database there. So they set all of that up for you. And it was just a really great user experience. So if you're looking at doing a small project, Superbase will get you most of the way there. I did not find a way through superbase.com to actually uh, host the front end. So I ended up doing that through Netlify, which... You know, I love Netlify. That was really great. So that, you know, took all two seconds. I had like a, a website set up with a custom subdomain on dot, uh, Netlify.com with SSL set up. And now whenever I commit to main, it deploys to, uh, it deploys to Netlify. And I've got uh, a database and no middle tier, that, at least no middle tier that I'm managing, which is nice. If you look at the source code, it's all just done through serverless stuff. So they've got a really nice free tier. As we've talked about before, um, those serverless solutions can be really cheap. So as long as you're under like a, you know, it's like 10 billion requests per month or whatever, then there's a free tier for that. Otherwise, I think the first pay tier is $25 a month, which gives you to like, you know, 2 billion uh, requests, whatever. Still not terrible. No, not all totally for it. But it's crazy to me that you can do this. In like two hours, you can go through and set up Postgres database, serverless server-side stuff. So you can just query from a front end publish for free and like somehow you don't spend a dime and you've got like a website a web app but what kind of game are you writing that you were going to use a database no not a game just different project like a little crowd i know i know and it's sponsored by Nicki minaj so that's right super base i have actually no clue that oh super base oh nice yeah see i got got a cultural reference how about that yeah (laughs) all right so, I also have a tip from Mr. Simon Barker. Um, he apparently, he had lots of good stuff to share recently. So, we were chatting the other day on Slack, which, by the way, there's another tip. If you are not part of our Slack group, you should go join it because there's super awesome people in there like Simon and Sean and Lars, all the people that I'm going to reference here. So, this one is a thing called Obsidian. So, I've got a link here. It's obsidian.md, and it's pretty cool. So... What it allows you to do, man, it's like it's like this tool that you can create files on your system, and they're all markdown. You make a bunch of markdown things so that you have notes or whatever, and this sort of organizes it, and in, in, it's not an IDE and a UI that allows you to look at, at your things, and it'll even create like this, this map, this graph of all your connected documents. So you can link between them. You can see how things are together. Like it's like a really nice way to organize your thoughts. And because it's yours, you can store this wherever you want. Like if you want to put it in the cloud, you could. All you have to have is this Obsidian client and installed on whatever. it you've, You can get it on iOS. You can get it on Android. You can get it on Windows, Mac, um, Linux, uh, they have Linux Snap and Linux Flatpak, and they've even got more platforms. So you just need this this GUI client wherever you're going to look at this content, and you can look at all your thoughts laid out in like this really cool way. So he's been playing with that. Um, looked really cool. So he he mentioned that the other day. 
go check it out. I think I'm going to actually look at this one. This, this looks pretty neat. The next one. So that led Sean Martz into saying, Hey, I, this, this reminds me of my maps. I like, I really like my maps. And if you've never used those tools, I love my map tools. I, I like the way that it lays out things visually to show how ideas are connected. It's, I've just always loved it. And, and it reminds me of things in college or when they told you like the best way to study with notes was to sort of create these mind maps on papers because it, it, it paints a picture in your head better that sticks. At any rate, um, this one is mindnode.com. I would go check that one out. It, it's also very cool. Um, I don't know if this one's free. It's on Apple and Android and it looks like it might be on other platforms as well. So at any rate, check that one out. And then the last one, Lars mentioned this in regards to Obsidian because he said this reminded him of, of this other tool and it's called InkDrop. So InkDrop.app, this one is interesting because while it is similar to what that Obsidian is, this one's more for developers. And what's interesting about it is you do things in Markdown, very, very similar to what was in Obsidian. But what's cool is you can create like task lists and whatnot. And this, this GUI allows you to organize things and sort of like check off things as you go with this. Um, I haven't dug into this one super deep, but it looks like it's got a lot of very cool features and it's very developer oriented. So, um, things to help you as a developer do things. So, uh, three really cool tools that I recommend going and checking out. So thank you to all three of you guys for, for dropping those in the, uh, in the chat the other day. Awesome. 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 You know what, Joe, it just because, uh, you know, don't feel like you're all special cause you're over there making stuff in your free time. Cause I also make stuff in my free time too. Oh yeah. Tell me. Yeah. I made, I made a, a belt out of watches once. It was time to do it. No, but it did turn out to be a waste of time. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, okay. So how about this one? We're talking about Git. And have you ever had this experience happen to you where uh, you set up your new environment or like WSL instances where it happened to bite me and uh, you like all like certain commands like Git log, Git commit, whatever. Uh, whenever you do it, it like brings up, uh, you know, full screen. Like you, you just lost all your terminal space for it to see the log. And then as soon, and then it's like, do you want to quit? And you quit it and you get out to get out of it. And, uh, now you can't see what that thing was anymore. Right. Yes. Super annoying. And it's actually not necessarily like a Git thing exactly, except, uh, the pager that Git uses for it. So I'll have two commands in here, one where you can change your, your Git config uh, to replace the pager or what I did, which impacts more than just Git is if you uh, change the variables that are the export less, you'll export a, a environment variable called less and you're going to default some uh, variables lowercase i and then the other three are going to be uppercase x f r and what that'll do is uh when you um do when, when less as used as your pager uh it'll not clear your screen when when you exit it will not 
clear the screen if there's less than one screen of text. So, you know, you use that. And um, then there's the, I think the R was for colors and the I was to ignore case. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I wasn't sure like why I needed the I, but this is one of those examples where you like just copy and paste and you're like, oh, where's that over here? <laughs> it worked. But, um, but I'll have a link to the article where, where I got it. Cause I loved this guy's, the, his blog was, uh, Vim, get AWS into other three letter words. And I was like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, uh, we'll have a, we'll have a link to that and then you can, uh, you know, use Git like a normal person without having everything like disappear when you're like, yeah, but I wanted to see, I did a Git log for three, you know, five, 10 commits. And now that I quit, I, you know, the, the output of log, I no longer see the log anymore. That doesn't do me any good. So yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to keep it simple. That was just my one tip. How's that? One That's tip and one. done. Yeah. I didn't one. have like 18, like Alan, Mr. Show off. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcast app. Uh, no, not your app, but the podcast. Um, and, uh, like I said earlier, we would greatly appreciate it. If you would leave us a review, if you hadn't already, you can find some helpful links. I'm going to say it right this time. www.codingblocks.net slash review. Hey, and while you're at www.net.codingblocks, you can check out our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And you can send your feedbacks, questions, and rant to our Slack channel. I'm surprised you didn't go the extra mile and go like www.net slash codingblocks. I was going to mess it up if I did that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) All right. And hey, uh, we got Twitter uh, at CodingBlocks. And if you take a picture of your battle station and tweet it at us, uh, we'll be impressed by it. Uh, Also... Go to Google and find other social links at the top of the page, including ones to like join the Slack, for example. So uh, hit us up. <laughs>